Now, I don't think I'm drunk enough to start the podcast, but I'm sober enough to end it. James? Um, you know, I'm hungover. I got three hours of sleep last night. I'm sunburnt. I'm overweight. So, you know, it's the usual. Yeah. You ready for, uh, well, we might finish out last tomorrow. Oh, God. I don't even fucking know where we are in that game. Well, we've encountered one ghost. You have to bear that in mind. In any conversation about Outlast, we've encountered one ghost. I thought we were going to see some... <laughs> I remember... <laughs> I think it's because we were just all drunk. I remember as soon as we entered the female ward, we were like, Woo! <laughs> we were hoping to see some uh, mentally disturbed boobs. <laughs> and as far as I know, I, I don't think uh, it's happened yet. Yeah, I just think the guys just went over there too. Uh-oh. Or maybe uh, the mental institution is trans-friendly. Yeah, that's that's the promising thing. That's what you got to think. <laughs> I've been reading about... Uh, well, first let me ask. Have you ever shot a gun? Yeah. Tell I me mean, about it. Um, How does it feel? Does it make you feel alive? Okay, well... <laughs> Will it feel the... Hopefully this isn't incriminating. <laughs> but, um... But, uh... Yeah, I've shot uh, guns a couple times. Um... It depends, dude. It's like, you really got to work out your arms depending on the caliber of the gun. Like, um... Oh, destroy me. Um, don't stop it. You're strong. You're way stronger than you let yourself off to be. Hmm. Um, but, uh... Yeah. I fired... Um, a handgun, like a, uh, I think it's just like a 9mm Beretta. And then I fired, um, 22 caliber hunting rifle. Uh, um, both are fun. I didn't kill anything, so. Damn. For those of you listening that are in law enforcement. First. Not today. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, shot cans. Uh, I do want to go shooting guns again sometime soon, but it's fucking expensive in in California. Uh, On a range, you're talking? Yeah, especially the Bay Area. One, there's not even a fucking shooting range in San Francisco. You have to go to a pig pen in order to do that, <laughs> and... Uh, uh, I'll pass. <laughs> well, what I've been reading about is the NRA. Now, the everything I've been reading paints them as in dire straits, and of course, you know, this is a hell world, so maybe there is no cause and effect and they'll be just fine. But they have been bleeding money because of this parasitic relationship with an ad agency. Don Draper is killing the NRA, James. Don Draper. Uh, TMZ's Don Draper of photos of his bulge fame. Oh my god. (laughs) Uh, You know, this is off topic, but um, uh, 
I just remember as a kid, I was watching a Family Guy episode uh, where Peter joins the NRA, and because um, he was he was having penis envy of his son. Oh, that episode. Yeah, uh, his, his, he found out his son had a bigger dick than him, so. He joins the NRA, and every, basically everyone in the NRA has a small dick. <laughs> and, uh, he's all like, uh, he's like, it's not the gun that's between your legs that counts, it's the gun that you fire. And I thought that was, as an adult, I think it's really funny and explains a lot. It explains the NRA. <laughs> Somewhere along the line... I guess it's the interpretation of the Second Amendment, because it used to just be an association of hunters, you know? And then suddenly it became a right to bear arms. There was a whole story about how Charlton Heston got elected in the first place, because one of their moderate board members was like, you know, trying to walk things back. So people are like, it all just comes down to these wealthy guys at the top. They just ousted him and put put him against Charlton Heston for one thing. Everyone voted for the movie star. Wow. Now, I mean, that's how we got President Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. That's how we got President Donald Trump. It's always... probably how we're going to get President Camacho if uh, the movie Idiocracy tells us anything. And I hope it tells us everything. I hope mm-hmm. it's a blueprint for the future. Oh, man. I would love to have a president who is a porn star and a WWE champion. Yes. (laughs) Hey, I think if we've learned anything, it's that it can happen and it could be us. Um, If I learned anything, it's probably going to say that The Rock is going to be our new president. I feel like, was he born in the U.S.? For sure. I feel like I've... uh, Yeah. Let's do the research. (laughs) Okay, I believe you. (laughs) He was born in Hawaii. Oh, okay. Oh, I think either Hawaii or Florida. His dad was a wrestler, like for the WWF, the original. Yeah, when Vince McMahon Senior owned it. Uh, it's funny because like um, I don't really keep up with wrestling nowadays, but um, this is really a family business from the sounds of it. Yeah, especially so his dad. And his mom's family are, uh, there's a bunch of wrestlers in there too, and, um, see, his mom's Samoan, um, and something weird about, like, with Samoans and wrestling, they're just put on this, like, high pedestal, Mm. uh, especially in the WWE. Vince loves Samoans. Don't know why, <laughs> but uh, but it's funny because like um, there's this guy I don't really know what his name is, but he won the WWE title recently, and it's like kind of a big thing because he's supposed to be the black first black WWE champion. And in my head, I'm like, well, The Rock is half black, mm. so like. Wasn't he technically the first black WWE champion? But then, like, the black, the Rock, he never really claimed to be a black person. I could see that. Which is really it's funny. A- he really clinged on to the Samoan side because, you know, it's a big push if you're, like, if you have that heritage. Uh, 
But yeah, I just think it's really funny that like The Rock is technically the first black WWE champion, but he won't be the first one to tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like an identity thing. If he doesn't, if he doesn't want to say he's black, then I guess it's sort of like a you, we can't say no, man. No, hey, hey, but you're black though. His it's dad really is like a black guy, Rocky yeah, yeah. Johnson, fucking. Uh, but you know, it's whatever. The Rock, he he's a gazillionaire, and he's going to be our next president. Hey, he can be whatever he wants to be. His identity is um, something he can pay for. All I know is if by the t- so from now to when he gets into office, that time period, if he gets into the adult in- film industry. Yes. He will be Camacho. I'm gonna see if I can find a a new game, <clears throat> new game on GOG.com. See if I can read you the full description. Oh man, my skin is burnt. I thought you were gonna say it was beautiful. Like maybe you've been on a new uh, a new cleanse. What am I trying to say? A new. What do you call it when you have a routine for your skin? Oh, a new, um, enema? Yeah, a new enema. Okay. It was new on GOG, like new, by a few weeks. Heart of the Woods is a fantasy Yuri visual novel about paranormal investigation, ancient mysteries, and a love between two girls that transcends life and death. Hey, I just watched, um, Heavenly Creatures yesterday. I just watched Two Girls with a Cup yesterday. Well, then, this is the uh, game for us. <laughs> Maddie Rains has had enough. After years of serving as manager, editor, and general business handler for her best friend Tara's popular paranormal vlog channel, she's finally ready to move forward with her own life. But when she agrees to take one last trip with Tara to the mysterious village of Eisenfeld, she's suddenly swept up in a dangerous supernatural crisis that will change the course of both their lives forever. A strange young woman named Morgan has promised them undeniable proof of real paranormal phenomena, and what she has to offer eclipses anything they'd ever seen before. Blah, blah, blah. However, out of all the strange occurrences, the three of them bear witness to, one in in particular captivates Maddie in a way she's never been before, the ghost of a young woman. This woman is Abigail, the victim of a centuries-old injustice, now bound eternally to the forest surrounding Eisenfeld. Drawn to Maddie in a way she can't explain, Abigail reveals herself to another person for the first time in more than 200 years. I want to skip to the end. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes? They run into a 19th century ghost who was tortured and brutally killed, and her name is Abigail? Yes. This sounds like a King Diamond album. Hey! (laughs) Maybe we cracked the code. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, maybe so. I was listening to King Diamond on my way here, but but continue. <laughs> These are the bullet points. They give us a rundown of every character, if you're interested. Uh, features. Incredible character in CG art from Rosuri. Fully original backgrounds and soundtrack. Approximately 130,000 words with multiple endings. Ending theme from In Love with a Ghost. Multiple accessibility options. Well, that's good. That's good. Because, you know, we're basically handicapped. Extra features including a music room, CG viewer, and guest art gallery. And the last bullet point, at least one really, really gay ghost. 
personally, I think we're going to have to play this one. Yeah, I mean, it sounds awesome. Heart of the Woods, and I think we're just going to have to keep an eye out on uh, more more upcoming visual novels. Um, I know something that the fans want to see. Yeah. Rumble Rose. Ah, PS2 Rumble Rose? PS3? PS2 Rumble Rose. Wrestling and Titties is what it should be called. Well, that's a good subtitle. (laughs) Do you know who I... I, You know what? It kind of blew my mind when I found out Konami was behind it. Hmm. Well, (laughs) they don't make video games anymore, and maybe, maybe we know why. Well... Um, I was actually talking to Hana about this. Mm. Um, so when I was working in Chicago, one of my managers was a huge weeb. Um, <laughs> he he's awesome, uh, and he, he used to carry this like Silent Hill backpack. Uh, so he was a big Konami fan too. And I was like, "So hey, why does Konami not make video games anymore?" And he's like, "Well." It's because gambling is legal in Japan now, and you're able to just, uh, it's like, so they went from video games to, like, making slot machines, Polanco machines, uh, virtual poker, like, they, they just, they do that now. I've heard, yeah. I mean, it just, I could see that being a lot more profitable. I feel like I've seen a graph of, like, Konami profits, and it's like, uh, before the full-time switch to gambling and after, and it's like, their profits are doing much better. Yeah. So, like... Now, their handling of, what is it, Metal Gear Solid? We're never going to get another Metal Gear Solid game, I think. Unless we play Metal Gear Solid Polenko. Oh, that's right! Okay, well, mm-hmm. I got a new mission in life. <laughs> we could play, uh... We could play... Silent Hill Palinko. Yeah, we could play Silent Hill Virtual Poker. Yes. <laughs> well, we could make it. Okay, so that's a new game design that we'll work on. Sort of a supernatural poker game where you're, you know, you're uh, facing off these um, manifestations of your fears and regrets uh, that are trying to. I don't really know the plot to Silent Hill Two. Could you fill me in? Oh, Silent Hill Two. So you just play as um, James, Crazy James. Oh, Crazy um, James. <laughs> uh, he's all sad because his wife died, but then he's like, you see him, he's in a bathroom, he's reading this letter, and it's from who? His wife. And she's mm. like, hey, I'm not dead. I'm in Silent Hill. I'm in Silent Hill. So poker with your deceased wife <laughs> with a pyramid head. I don't care if it's if it's Silent Hill 3. Um, no, no, no. So, uh, pyramid head Silent Hill 2. Oh, Okay. Uh, Pyramid Head is actually a manifestation of James's guilt. Okay. Uh, so pretty much, yeah, Pyramid Head is how James sees himself. Mm. Silent Hill 2 is a fucking tearjerker. <laughs> Would you be interested in the soundtrack on vinyl? Hashtag not sponsored. Oh. I know it's coming out. I, I found an article about this recently. <coughs> is that the only Silent Hill game that's getting a vinyl? Ooh, nice. I don't know that. Let's see. All I know is it's supposed to come out in May. It's like 40 bucks. Yep, sounds like it. Uh, you know, my friend paid almost $150 for 
for an EP of Q Lazarus. Q Lazarus, what have they done? Let what one see. song do I know by Q Lazarus? So it's funny because she only has like three, maybe four songs ever. <laughs> but her most famous one is. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. It all comes back to Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Um, well, she's a great big fat lady. <laughs> you can use my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, so, I don't know if you know what an EP is. Um, is it longer than a regular P? No. Um, in fact, it's the opposite. It's like a, it's a, it, I will, wouldn't necessarily call it a demo tape, but it's like a, un, it's not a completed album so an ep really only has like four songs on it maybe five oh. um so my friend paid 150 dollars for four songs i could i mean i could spend money on five songs if you want to count the remix to goodbye horses oh and i do i do james <laughs> what do i buy that's fucking superfluous like i would buy um, there's a book of like some guy's artistic interpretation of Brian Eno's songs from his first four albums, self-titled albums. When I, why would I want this book in particular? Because I'm pretty sure it's the only place you can get like lyrics for these songs. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of these songs. You can look up the lyrics on Google. You're gonna get different answers. So I don't know. I think the book is at least somewhat official. Oh, Brian, you know, you know, um, I have a really good friend that I, uh, admittedly hasn't spoken to in a long time. So, uh, who, let's call, just call him a friend. Yeah. So he's just a friend at this point. He loves him some Brian, you know, and, um, I thought we'd get along. Yeah. I'd want him on the podcast, but he lives in Chicago. Oh yeah. 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 I don't know how we'd be able to do that. I mean, via phone call. Yeah, account for the time difference. Just if he just records on his computer, you know, we right. just do a Skype call and uh, he send us his audio file. I bet we could do it. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, he's a a great talker. Um, he's also an improviser. Hey, I know better than I am. I, <laughs> Probably um... better than I am. <laughs> uh, you improv, bro. No. I've well, got a book. I've got the UCB book. The UCB book. Yeah. Hopefully it'll teach me, you know, some goddamn thing. Yeah. You know, you just gotta wing it. And that sounds really vague, but, like, the less you think about it, my, <laughs> the, the less thought you put into it, the better off you have, an, uh, the better off you'll be. I don't know. I'm just crazy. So what do, what do I know? Well, we're professionals. I am. I'm Leon the professional. <laughs> except I don't date a twelve-year-old. Oh, good. <laughs> there was a Silent Hill one vinyl. Looks like it's older though. It's about. Uh, it was like fifty dollars or something. Silent Hill one, my game. Yeah. That one is not about fucking say like insecurities and. Uh, <laughs> 
facing personal demons. I think I've got it on PS4 if we ever want to do a uh, Let's Play of that. Yes. Yes. We'll that, do it. That one is just about... Fucking... Wandering through the fog. Crash landing in a town and trying to get the fuck out of there. And then also trying to find your daughter. Hmm. Who may or may not be a demigod. It's always the way. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to figure with Hannah, other games that like that kind of are the intersection. Because uh, I've been playing Animal Crossing with Hannah... I think you would be bored out of your mind, but I don't know. I bet we could um, do something like the PSX Clock Tower, something like that. I haven't played Clock Tower in a long time. Yeah, maybe find the Japanese version, or or even, I don't know. That'd just be fun to play with Hannah in English. Yeah, we could play a Biohazard. Like just the first game? Yeah. Yeah, I'm down for that. We played in Japanese. Well, hold on. Come on. We played it. We played it in English, right? That's Resident Evil 1. Oh, yeah. Shit. (laughs) We can play the original one. Okay. Biohazard PSX. Or Biohazard or or Resident Evil 2. Yeah. I mean, Resident Evil 2 is the creme de la creme Mm. of Resident Evil games, but... um, but yeah, it to me, that's the Resident Evil game where it feels like you're playing an anime. Um, that you're kind of in there, you, you're invested with these characters? Yeah, and, but they're so like, like one of the main characters, Claire Redfield, she wears like um, these like cut off jean shorts. Uh, that are fucking just hot pink and wearing a matching denim jacket that is also hot pink. Um, she's a cop? No, no, okay, no, no. Okay. She's some college kid. Oh, okay. Looking for her brother, Chris Redfield, who's in the first Resident Evil game. Ah, uh, Chris. He's, he's the guy who's locked up that we saved at the end. I remember Chris. So, yeah. you. So, she's looking for him... Because he decided not to, like, I don't know, call her or anything <laughs> like that. Um, it's a fun game. Uh, to me, Resident Evil 2 is perfect. I would love to play it in Japanese uh, just for the fuck of it. Because, you know, I already know the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but would we be able to get subs? That's a tough one. I mean, like... Uh... Uh, probably remakes and stuff. I bet they have um, like just audio and uh, what do you call it? An audio selection and a subtitle selection. I bet it's possible. Could Hana translate? <laughs> On the fly, I bet. Here's one I had in mind. I feel bad. I haven't made any highlights or anything. Have you ever heard of... Leisure no. Suit Larry? I feel like... Yes, Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> yes. How did the you... The creme de la creme. How did he know... <laughs> <sighs> okay, but that's I... the sound of Tim getting pissed off at me. <laughs> How uh, did I ask you about the D trilogy? I asked Hannah about the D trilogy. She knew of the first game. I remember asking someone if they wanted some of my D trilogy, and, and I then, then the I answer is still no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then I got punched in the throat. <laughs> So the D trilogy. Now this is a weird one, and the guy who made the game, Kenji Eno, close to Eno, 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 
is um the same guy is dead now so uh conspiracy yeah 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 so this guy sounds crazy his company sounds crazy it came at like this time when you know the the industry was maturing it was the late 90s psx was booming and uh these companies were just making weird games marketing them in weird ways trying to <coughs> be as unique as possible uh, like among other things i think he sent condoms out with copies of his game he did this big like a shitty thing to PlayStation where he had decided to release the sequel on the Sega Saturn. And he announces this at like the PlayStation uh, convention or whatever, or like at the Tokyo game show, they put up a picture of the PlayStation logo and it morphs into a Sega Saturn. And he's like, fuck PlayStation. Wow. Anyway, so this weird series, I think it was like the first game on the PS1, uh, second game on the Dreamcast, or Saturn and the third game on the Dreamcast, something like that. If I'm wrong, fuck it. But he's, uh, anyway, these just are weird little um, incoherent uh, mystery stories like... You're a blonde girl in the first game. It's an FMV thing. You're just sort of moving from choice to choice. The first game is very deliberately an interactive movie. So we got to set aside like two and a half hours with Hannah to help us get through this thing once, like in one setting. The other games, I guess they're a little bit... I think they take a few hints from just sort of the Capcom style of like walking, talking, shooting, and it's just... I think this is the third game, but it is called D2. I think the... The in between quill was called uh, yeah, Bacardi. Enemy Zero. Yeah, Hannah brought it. Bacardi and Coke. Ugh. Hey, I liked it. <laughs> okay, so a brief uh, summary of D2. As D2 goes on, more elements of the occult, mysticism, Stonehenge, and the apocalypse come into play that make matters even more complicated. The game's antagonists want to resurrect the shadow and create a new perfect society in his image. The game's final act puts genetic engineering and cloning under its microscope and gets considerably more insane uh, with some bonkers reveals in the end. That being said, the origin of the monster that's loose in the game is actually solid and relates to attempts blah blah blah. Uh, The idea that Laura is actually the combination of this monster DNA, human DNA, and divine coincidence makes her a messianic-like figure that needs to merge with this ultimate darkness to save the world from Armageddon. It looks like it also ends with a 15-minute movie where the main character travels back to the final moments of New Year's Eve 1999. Um, And there's a bizarre, uh, unnecessary description of planet Earth and some data that the world's population was 6 billion in 99 and that it has grown by about 78 million since 98. And it goes on about the statistics about the HIV virus. Uh, it's it just seems like it tried to say a lot. Does, they, does he not like the gays? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what points. It's just really like homophobic mess of a game we're playing. Well, only only in the like the last seconds. He just snuck it in right at the end. Um, I think he just wanted to say something about like the Earth and and uh, and gays. Yeah, and overpopulation. <laughs> Wearing does not make the world work. That's another wrestling reference. Um, but um, what was I going to say about that? Uh, no, you know, I'll play it. It sounds like it'll be a disaster, but that sounds fun. Yeah, that's a reason to play. Um, do you know what 
I do want to show you. Yes, yes. Parasite Eve. Okay, now I'm I'm, I'm aware of Parasite Eve, not uh, uh, insofar as I know it exists, but yeah, I'm down. That's PS One Two. Yes. Just imagine. Hey, you said you had tortilla chips somewhere, pal. Okay, I'm getting the tortilla chips. Because <laughs> the guy who wrote the book was a botanist. Hmm. So he was like, I'm going to write this crazy-ass fucking sci-fi book. <laughs> so, and it's weird because, like, I've read the book and done a book. Okay. So, in middle school, I had to write a book. I we, we did book reports for every semester um, or every quarter. And one of the quarters was science fiction. So I was like, all right, I'm doing a fucking book report on Resident Evil. And my my teacher was like, no, <laughs> no, you're not. It's, you have to do science fiction, not fantasy. I was like, but Resident Evil. I was like, it's like, it's about a laboratory of people that make a virus that brings the dead back to life. You've got a solid case. I was like, it's science-y. And someone was able to do... Um, someone was able to do fucking Star Wars. Oh, a novelization of Star Wars? Yeah. I read that. And uh, I was like, how is she able to do Star Wars and I'm not able to do Resident Evil? She was hotter than me, so, you know. Well, that explains it. Yeah, but, um... As a teacher, that governs all my decisions. <laughs> yeah, um... So, with that being said, I was like, okay, I'll just fucking do a book report on a book that <laughs> I've also played a video game adaptation of. <laughs> so I decided to do Parasite Eve. And let me tell you something, brother... Parasite Eve, the book, overall, I guess, has the same plot. And yet? But it is very different. <laughs> like, like, um, there's like a huge romance angle in the book. Um, the book, okay, so the book and the video game are about fucking playing zombies, killing people. But, like, the video game is mostly about this chick killing said black, playing zombies, as opposed to the book, as this chick just... She's, like, trying to fix a broken relationship. Okay, you take the, uh, the personal angle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which, I was like... This feels more like a romance book than it does Parasite Eve. Hmm. But, I mean, it is, like... The same events still happen. It's just really funny that, like, I I just didn't know that uh, going in. And then after I did the, my book report, I was like, fuck, dude. I really wish I could have done it on Resident Evil. <laughs> okay, so you don't want the PS5 to happen, do I you? Not yet. They will not be at E3 2019. Hey, but do you know what gives me hope? Yeah. 
the original. Okay, I don't want this to happen yet because I want to play the remake of Resident Evil Three on the PS4. I do not want to buy a PS5 yet. We'll see if that happens. Okay, pal. Hey, there's a lot of. Do things. you know what gives me hope? Yeah. The they fucking rushed Resident Evil Three. Um. They they like. Uh, the original Resident Evil Three was fucking like rushed so quickly because it came out in mid two thousand. And they mm. wanted to have one more Resident Evil game for the PlayStation 1. Oh. Because the PlayStation 2 was coming out soon, and they're just like, we gotta do this before the PlayStation 2 comes out. Very different attitudes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, these days it's more like, you know, God, um, The Last Guardian, you know, that would have been, I think, originally suspected to be on the PS2. I mean, at least it was supposed to be a PS3 game for a long while. And then, obviously, when the PS4 came out, people just said, oh, okay, so it must be a PS4 game. I mean, they just give people so much leeway these days to just uh, hold back until the next console. It's just like, that, that to me was a beacon hope. They yeah. fucking pushed that game out in a few months. And, and normally, when you breeze through a game like that, it's going to be a shit game. <laughs> Resident Evil 3 is my favorite Resident Evil game. People say the same thing about Fallout 2, that it was, Fallout 1 was a pretty big hit. And what is it, Black Isle or uh, whatever the original company was, I'll never remember. But um, Interplay, Interplay demanded another Fallout game as soon as possible. And Fallout 2 was just one of the, I think, compared to the cycle that Fallout 1 went through, Fallout 2 was made fast. And I think yeah, I think people generally hold it in higher regard. Of course, it helps that it's all on the same engine. You could do that. Like, wasn't Resident Evil 3 the same engine as the... Yeah, but that was the first one where they got rid of the tank controls. Ah. Um, also, it had this fucking weird-ass mechanic where Jill was... Oh, yeah, also, you play as Jill again. Nice. Except she's not in a star's uniform anymore. She's like... Tube top and a miniskirt. Ah. <laughs> she, like... She's one of the few people that knew this fucking zombie apocalypse was gonna happen in Raccoon City. Uh, and, uh... That was just her... That was her fucking battle outfit. They listened to me then. Because I, uh, I was a big uh, figure in that letter-writing campaign. <laughs> Jim in like 2000 <laughs> How old are you like 8 <laughs> I had very strong opinions about uh, How I wanted that character represented 6 year old James just wanted to play Another Resident Evil game But um Um Uh So yeah They uh They got rid of the tank controllers But they had this fucking weird ass mechanic Where um Jill was able to evade attacks, like either like, 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 uh, dash to the left or dash to the right or just simply fucking push zombies. She'd able to just like, it looks like she was in a mosh pit. <laughs> but like, it was so fucking hectic. Like, you had to aim your gun and press the fire button. 
at a specific time, like right before you get bitten. And it was like, they didn't put too much thought into it. <laughs> well, that's how I think game dev should work. <laughs> so it just didn't. So it like things like that, you could tell that they like kind of pushed it. There's also a thing that you tell where they push it from uh, the cemetery level. They, it just feels like that they literally threw that in because they thought the game was too short. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really do anything there. <laughs> and, like, the game starts off as this fucking crazy apocalypse. Like, Raccoon City's getting thrown to hell. You're fucking Jill. You're in the... The tube top and the miniskirt, and you're just trying to get the fuck out of Dodge. She stays there because she's an idiot and is like, I'm going to save the people of Raccoon City because it's my job. Everybody dies. Her and this sexy umbrella soldier are the only two left. Um, and then, uh, so she has to basically just like fly, just get the fuck out of there, um, and in the beginning, it's this crazy action game, uh, where you're just killing zombies until you find Nemesis, and you run away from them, and then you get into the clock tower, and that's when it turns back into a horror video game, Mm. that's when, like, just the fucking all-around creepiness goes back, then you go into the cemetery, and then you're just like, what is this? What, like, what is this game? Something more to do. <laughs> yeah. Then you go, um, I don't know how you go from there to, like, the Umbrella Lab. Hmm. God, dude, as an adult, I'm just realizing a lot of these Resident Evil games ended laboratories from Umbrella. <laughs> well, where else are you supposed to go? You've got to... I mean, these are the bad guys. And a lot of them also end. Like, the first three end with the said lab blowing up. And you have to get out of there before the timer runs out. Uh, It makes me think, though, the cemetery. I've once heard a really weird criticism about Psychonauts. I mean... Different. I think we're into very different games. I like kids' games with no pressure whatsoever. But I like horror video games that are all pressure. Yeah. But so Psychonauts, if you've ever played it, every level is just uh, the interior of someone's brain. It's usually a little bit allegorical because it about whatever personality disorder they have, and um, it's just a platformer, usually with some. Uh, in a broad sense, you're just trying to get from point A to point B, and there are little puzzles in the way. Now. I once saw someone describe the the last three levels as, like, them being surprised that they were forcing you to go into more people's heads. It's like uh, the mental asylum. You get out of the camp into a mental asylum, and you have three patients. You go into their heads, solve their disorders, and kind of advance towards the end of the game. They treated that as, like... Um, more gameplay, like a hassle. Like they said, oh, when I got to the mental asylum, I was like, what? More gameplay? More levels? It's just felt like filler. And it's like, no, these are the best levels in the game, guy. They're not filler. I mean, at what point are you are you just adding bullshit? Because they weren't bullshit. They were fully designed levels. You can't just say that like that like a, a fully designed, completely integrated thing is um, no, not good I for mean, a game. No, I mean, I can understand that because like because the graveyard level what in Resident Evil was fully designed. It's just they didn't fucking have shit for you to do in it. Okay. <laughs> and, um, they didn't, like... 
But they had a boss fight at the end, but, like, it was basically, like, you had to go to part A of the graveyard to do a puzzle, then you go to part B, which is on the other side, um, kill some zombies, do a puzzle there, and read a book, then you gotta go part back to part A to do a fucking second part of that puzzle, just so you could get a key to go back to part B to unlock a door that takes you to part C of the graveyard. And I'm like, that's so fucking tedious. Like, you're just adding filler because you think the game is too short. I guess I could see the, uh, I mean, people I think have always had a warped idea of how long a game should be. I don't blame developers for trying to make a game longer. Yeah, this is in 98, so like... Games are supposed to be, like, in in 98, I think most people's idea is that, like, you know, this game should last me a month or two. And you know what? Resident Evil 3 did last us a month or two. Hmm. Um, mostly because that game was hard as fuck. And there's this puzzle that haunts me till this day where you have to in order to get through this like door or something Jill has to get the water pressure levels uh, correct to uh, open up a passageway through the sewers and like Jill is no plumber. <laughs> She's a cop. <laughs> You're talking to the wrong stars agent. <laughs> I know. She knows how to fucking pick a lock and kill a zombie. Well, to be fair, she doesn't know how to pick a lock, but she gets a lock pick. <laughs> she knows how to hold on to one. Also, one thing. You have to go... Okay, so you have to go to the police station in Resident Evil 3... Which is cool, you know, it, it was cool when I first played it, because Resident Evil 2, like, the first, I would say the first third to maybe half of the game of Resident Evil 2 is fucking spent in that police station. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have to go to the police station for about, like, you spend like five to ten minutes of gameplay in there. Um, but the whole fucking point of going to the police station is so Jill could get her lockpick. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, Capcom. <laughs> That's it. Uh. <laughs> it's like, if you're the so-called master of unlocking, I would feel like you would have a, like more than just one lockpick on you. <laughs> It's sort of a treat, though, the idea like you're going back to the, the big set piece from Resident Evil 2. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it's funny because, like, most of the doors are boarded up. <laughs> it's because, yeah, like, you can't... They The devs don't want you to be able to, like... Because Resident Evil 2, you have to go through the fucking whole police station. That's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. a good chunk of the game is spent there. They want to say that Resident Evil 3 took place before Resident Evil 2. Oh. But, like, <laughs> like, why were all the fucking doors boarded up? How did fucking Leon and Claire get through there? <laughs> like, You missed the flavor dialogue when she's on her walkie-talkie and she says, By the way, you know, the police station's a mess. Someone should take the boards down. Like... Also, well, the sexy SARS agent, she, her last words is, don't forget, when you get to the police station, take those boards down. (laughs) 
Also, fucking, um, with, uh, with that, like, you, it's a Resident Evil 2, there's this character named Marvin, whose voice acting is, <laughs> um, when you put, it's funny, like, when you play as Claire, he's all like, you are Chris's kid sister, we should have. Listen to him. Now everyone's dead. And like he gives you the he gives you the psych monologue about how you should we should have listened to Chris and Jill. We thought they were crazy, but oh no, they weren't. Like there were actual zombies, and now everyone in the town is dead. Which is funny because in Resident Evil Three, you go into the room that Marvin is and, and he's dead. Like, how are you going to say that Resident Evil Three takes place before Resident Evil Two, and there's just a dead Marvin on the ground? Like, I I was expecting a fucking Marvin monologue, but just to Jill, and Jill is just like, "Yeah, motherfucker, you should have listened to me." Now look at where you are. <laughs> You're expecting an I've seen things zombies climbing on the walls. I was expecting a fucking uh, Shatner-esque monologue to Jill Valentine but no it was just dead Marvin and as a like as a kid I I was okay with that because I thought Resident Evil 3 took place after. But then they're trying to fucking tell me that, no, that's not the case. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> well, timelines are a malleable Capcom thing. Capcom doesn't give a fuck about timelines. Video game timelines, <laughs> doubly so. Um, yeah, Capcom doesn't give a shit about continuity. And you know what? Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe yeah. we're at fault here. It's okay. Uh, too busy trying to seduce the train driver. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've all been there. <laughs> How else am I supposed to get my free fast passes? Because <laughs> they've got, uh, they tell them, you know, we'll give you five, uh, five fast passes that you can only give out to the most attractive passengers. Um... Yeah, I mean, I'm not the most attractive, but I'm probably the easiest. Most persuasive. (laughs) Well, we're running low on booze. We're, uh, what have we covered today, James? Guns, games, wrestling titties. Yes. Uh, and, um... There will be more Rumble Roses, I think, on the next, uh, next, uh, warm-up. I'll try to find a... An in-depth Let's Play of uh, Rumble Roses or Rumble Roses XX for the 360. What? Oh, you didn't know? No. Yeah. I don't know if it was just a remake. So does Rumble Roses... Do you know what's funny about Rumble Rose? Was that it has a storyline... Well, I've just never played it. It also has a sequel. I wonder if that too has a storyline. Uh, uh, well, according to Wikipedia, under the header plot, unlike the previous game in the series, Rumble Roses XX does not have a story mode. 
Oh, really? I guess this is a pure physics simulator, if you know what I mean. Like a physical simulator. Just jiggle physics. You know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's just jiggle physics in the first one. Uh, let's play through the storyline of the first Rumble Rush. Yes! Okay, we got uh, a plan. I will, I will give you my... Um, my take on Rumble Roses XX. I'll I'll find everything I can get my hands See, but on. This is a story. I'll bring you back the dry mechanical facts. I need some plot. Hmm. Oh, hey, I found this and shared this. I don't know if this is true. Yeah. I don't know if this is like if this was an actual thing. So. I shared this on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> okay, so basically, Glenn Danzig, I don't know if this is his official page, posted a photo of him, and it said, I was hacked. Any th- um, I was hacked. Okay. <clears throat> I was hacked. Anything that was posted in the last month was not me. I don't smoke weed. I don't eat hot dogs, and I definitely don't eat my cum. <laughs> Would I find the piece of shit that did this? And I will! They will pay the ultimate price. That was my... That was my dancing impression. <laughs> Fucking A! I don't think we're going to find something better to go out on. <laughs> now, I've been wanting to, um, I think we should end the show, of course, by thanking anyone who is possibly listening to this. So thank you. James? Fuck everybody listening to this show. I don't want you. I don't need you. You think that this is my career? No, pal. I have my stable career at Andronica's Community Market. Located on Funston and Irving, San Francisco, California. And I was thinking after we thank them, we can uh, tell them to clear out! Clear out! We don't need you! You don't mean anything to us! You didn't pay. You didn't pay! (laughs) We don't mean anything to you! And on that note, clear out! Oh, you and your big black references. No one here is going to know this. No, no one here is going to know that. 